Thank you, Anak. Thank you, Pastor Abel, for playing the piano. That's a beautiful message, right? God is too unkind. No, God is too good to be unkind. And sometimes uh, people think that God is, uh, is cruel, especially those who doesn't want to acknowledge his existence, right? Tonight, I just uh, want to also thank God for your presence, your faithfulness. You know what? During Wednesday night, if we see faith, if we see you, if uh, as you know, as a teacher, when you are in front and you can see brethren, that's an encouragement. And we just praise and thank God we still have this virtual ministry, and we want to say hi to our folks as well. Good good evening. I'll be preaching a a uh, I would say a very hard topic tonight because of the word uh, surrender because <laughs> that's uh, as, as a child of God this is one of the uh, hardest thing to do to surrender amen so before I go to uh, our message let us open in a word of prayer Heavenly Father Lord thank you once again for allowing us to be here tonight Lord we acknowledge your grace and mercy that's why we can make it and Lord Please purify us we, as we uh, desire to be blessed with the fellowship tonight, especially the preaching of your word. We thank you for all those songs that uh, was uh, uh, sung, led to us by Pastor Jether. We also thank you for the special number. And for those uh, prayer requests, Lord, uh, we are one in heart tonight, committing them to you, especially those, Lord, uh, who are really in need, those who are sick. Be with us, O oh God. Guide me. Bless your holy word that will be read from, your, from the Bible. And uh, I just pray to God that uh, you will use me mightily. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Very familiar verse tonight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And here's what the Bible states. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Now take note. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. If we are to evaluate the way we are living our life based on what we already know from the Bible, the doctrines and the mandate of the Bible, the question is, what do we see? Are we on par or are we lagging? I want to share three characteristics about the marks of a life surrendered to the Lord from our text. And as I've said, this is a difficult topic because it's only by the grace of God. It's only by His mercy. It's only by the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can apply it in our daily walk with God. Number one, a life surrendered to God is characterized by undivided love. Number two, undeviated loyalty. 
And number three, uncompromised lifestyle. In Matthew 6.24, when we talk about undivided love, please take note when it says, No man can serve two masters for either what he will hate the one and love the other. You know, during the New Testament times, it is impossible for a slave to serve two masters, for he can only respond to one master who claims him as his property. Take note of that. I think that was also, you know, in the history of America. Slaves are being treated as a property. It is in this context when Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. So there are two masters mentioned here, God and mammon. Mammon represents money, of course, we are so familiar with this, or material things that we possess or want or we desire. Mammon is never regarded by the Bible, uh, it's never regarded as, as bad, or as evil, per se. Money is not bad. We need it. We cannot survive in our world without it. We need money to buy food, clothing, and shelter. We need money when we want to, want to go to the mall and, you know, do shopping. <laughs> if, you want, <laughs> if you want to, uh, you know, buy a new suit. We need money to serve God. Churches and missionaries need it for their ministries. So the question then is, when does mammon becomes a malady? And I would say when it takes away the place of God in our lives. When it takes away our time and talent in the service of the Lord. In other words, when our love for Jesus is compromised because of mammon. Like, for example, maybe 90% for our personal concerns and just 10% for the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe more expenses for pleasures than expenses for the projects for the Lord. Maybe more time for entertainment than time for edification from the Bible. Maybe more time for playing than praying. You know, talent exercised solely for accolade of self and not for the acclamation of God. You know, mammon is powerful in a negative way. It can cause division or strife. Families and relatives, we know this, so it's other because of land inheritance. You know, I know of some families back in the Philippines. They want to kill each other. Because of land, because of inheritance. Some kill each other because of it. At times, you know, it's sad commentary, but churches are not exempted. Churches split due to money issue. But I would like to say this in a general context. The pursuit of the power of mammon can create chaos in governments as well. And wars among nations. Just think of Israel and Palestine. The condition in South China Sea right now is very delicate. Claims 
coming from the neighboring Asian nations, including our beloved Philippines, where we came from. And China is gaining the advantage because of the power of its mammon. In a personal approach, let us consider what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, we might be saying, I'm not rich, so my heart will always be with the things of God. Really? But we don't have to be rich to be in love with mammon. The poor can be just as greedy and covetous as the rich can be. Right? Many gambles their budget for basic needs like groceries or apartment rent in casinos or uh, buy lotto tickets hoping that they will win one of the 900 million jackpot franchises. Some will say, if I win, I will be out of this miserable life and enjoy everything this world offers. Others will say, if I win, I will help the poor people. I will donate to the church. I will help my family, my relatives, and my BFF. I will save the world. Sometimes, you know, we have all these justifications to camouflage, uh, camouflage our love for mammon. But here are some wise advice from the scriptures. And I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this. This type of some sort of a review. Proverbs 28, verse 20. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You know, it's not a secret anymore that quick riches will get people into trouble. Most of the winners of the lotto jackpot, if you're reading the news, messed up their lives and went bankrupt. Proverbs 13 verse 11, wealth gotten by vanity shall be, dim be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Meaning, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes, like pyramid schemes. You know, I, we have these pyramid schemes in the Philippines, and a lot of Christians were, were victims of it. Military personnel were victims of it. Uh, our good friend, Pastor Chris Compales, is a victim of it as well. He was... Uh, telling me the story when we were here, when he, she, he was here. Pyramid schemes, cooking, accounting books, bribery, graft, and corruption quickly disappears. But the verses, but wealth from honest hard work grows over time. Luke twelve fifteen. Luke twelve fifteen, and he said unto them, Jesus. Take heed and beware of covetousness. That's what Jesus said. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know, at times, our promise to love the Lord wholeheartedly is divided because we are too busy pursuing earthly treasures instead of heavenly treasures. I'm preaching to myself. We are too preoccupied with the things of this world and not getting the true perspective 
of the meaning of our existence. Let's listen to Paul. 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 to 12. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, to live a life without any boundaries is one of the many pitfalls of mammon. Someone said, the loneliest people in the world are amongst the wealthiest and most famous who found no boundaries within which to live. Meaning to say life without the God-given boundaries will leave us valueless. You know, if you're familiar with this famous uh, journalist, his name is Gilbert K. Chesterton. He said, Whenever you remove any fence, always pause long enough to ask why it was put there in the first place. People will say, I do not want to be a believer of Jesus Christ because there are so many restrictions. Maraming bawal. When the word of God says don't do it, it means it is for our own good. It means it is for our own benefit. Amen? Good fences make good Christians. Mammon should not replace our love of God. Take note. God is the creator, not the created. Because sometimes we prefer to embrace the created things instead of the creator. Mark chapter 8, 35 to 37, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For, shall, for what shall it profit a man? We always quote this. If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. But don't forget, verse 37 is very important as well. Or what shall a man Give in exchange for his soul. Nothing. It's only by the grace of God. Not only that, God is not just the blessing, but the blesser. We must not treat God as though his only purpose is to prosper us. And that's the pitfall of the prosperity gospel. At times we just thank him for the new job. We just thank him for the new house, for the new car. And other material blessings bestowed on us. But forget to thank him for the eternal things he has already given and prepared for us. Like for instance, our salvation. Amen? Very important. And our blessed hope. In Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why if we don't have that much money, just think of this verse. <laughs> if we have the right perspective of what we have in Christ, mammon can never possess us. 
It is not wrong to possess mammon, but it is wrong for mammon to possess us. You know, the proper attitude towards worldly wealth comes from the proper perspective of, about Jesus. The proper attitude towards worldly wealth comes from the proper perspective about who Jesus Christ is. You know, God deserves our undivided love and attention. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. In the other gospel, it included with all thy strength. We must not let mammon occupy the place of the person in our life who gave everything to us. God loves, loves us unconditionally. He provided us a Savior in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from sin's condemnation to hell. In 1 John 4, 9-10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that what? He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. There's the key there. We love him because he first loved us. We can never love God if we have not experienced his love first. We do not deserve it, amen? But he gave it anyway. So mammon must not replace our undivided for our, our divided love for our God. If we have kept God at the distance because of the pursuit of mammon and the things that goes with it, like, for instance, the American dream, the social status, the nice house, the expensive vacations, the luxury cars, etc. Let me remind you tonight that God loves you and he's waiting for you to come back. He is exactly where you left him. It is not too late to come back and give him your undivided love. Number two, undeviated loyalty. It says here, no man can serve two masters or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You know, loyalty is characterized by or showing faithfulness to commitments. We have commitments, right? We have vows, allegiance, or obligations. When we are loyal to someone, that means we are willing to give our everything. The Bible declares that God is a jealous God, which means that He demands loyalty. He will not share your loyalty with anyone or anything, including mammon. It's either you will be devoted to Him or despised Him. Remember the challenge of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. The Bible states, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long shalt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, what did he say? Follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You know here, you can see the freedom that God has given us. 
The freedom to reject him and the freedom to receive him. So God is not an aristocratic or a terror God like other, you know, uh, those who doesn't believe in him, those who try to mock him. But it says here, if you want to follow Baal, go ahead. Take note, the side commentary. And the people answered him not a word. Have we ever experienced that in our life? The people were silent. It means they cannot decide. Oh, it's a bad signal on our loyalty to Jesus when he is calling us to come back to church and we are silent. To attend Wednesday prayer meetings and we are silent. To support our Bible studies and we are silent. To support our missionaries and we are silent. We may say we are not like them, but at times our words are loyal to God, but our actions show it differently. You know, it's a hard preaching, but I hope this will encourage us by the grace of God. You know, it's easy to evaluate if we are loyal to God. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to our virtual ministry. If you want to evaluate if we are loyal to God, we just look at our checkbook. If the word tithes is missing in our checkbook register, it's a bad signal. If the word mission is missing, it's a bad signal. If the words love gift is missing, it's a bad signal. If our Bible is dusty, it's a bad signal. How about our prayer time and church ministers time? Is there a bad sign as well? Remember, Elijah said, there are only two options. It is either you are loyal to God or Baal. How about Joshua? Joshua 24, 14 to 15. Joshua 24, 14 to 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Those two words, sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Take note now, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Take note, parents, especially the fathers. I might not be preaching to the fathers, but I can preach to, to myself as a dad as well. Joseph said, this is my choice. For me and my house, we will be loyal to the Lord. Daddy, mommy, tatay, tatang, nanang, especially the men of the house, take Joshua as one of your models in raising and guiding your family. 
The reason so many families do not really love to do the things of God is because of the lack of spiritual leadership in the home. If mammon is the master of the father in the home, then the family is in danger. Too busy and no time for the wife and the children are deprived with the father's care and guidance. At times, as a result, relation ends up in divorce and children are rebellious and become derelict. Fathers should not only be a physical provider, but first, a spiritual provider. Our families need a daily load of spiritual food to stay on course with the things of God. Now let's encourage the ladies as well. Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. And she, who is she? Naomi, right? Said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Take note, this is the key. And thy God, my God. That's the key, because the God of Naomi is the true God. That's why in verse 17, where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also. If aught but death part thee and me. Man. What an example of loyalty. Oh boy. That's why sometimes father were so embarrassed, right? Because the ladies in our church, if you see them, they're so faithful. You know what he said here? Wherever you die, I will die. Wherever you are buried, that is where I want to be buried as well. May the Lord's worst punishment come upon me if I will not keep my promise. Imagine that. Death can only separate me from you. What a loyalty. How about our young people? Familiar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, ito yung pinakaunang law firm sa Old Testament. Eh. Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego LLC or Incorporated. <laughs> Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 to 18. Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Take note, but if not, be it known unto thee, king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Young people, young professionals, Godly conviction and character is vital to live a loyal life for the Lord. Someone said, 
The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Proverbs 24 verse 10 states, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. How about the leaders? Are you a leader? Peter is a leader, amen? John 6, 67 to 68. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. To be loyal to God is to trust him for everything. That's the message of this special number tonight. Someone said, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in mammon and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Last but not the least, uncompromised lifestyle. Uncompromised lifestyle. You know, lifestyle is a way of life, a behavior, or a conduct. Maybe if you want to uh, look back a little bit about your lifestyle before you got saved. You know, I always say this, thank God for his grace. Thank God for the people, the instruments that God used in my life to change me. To transform me. Because if I see my lifestyle before I got saved, oh boy. Sister Lisa got a taste of it. Because he saw me when I was still unsaved. Matthew 6.24. Take note, it says, ye cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. There's a big difference between knowing Jesus and showing Jesus. Amen. Action speaks louder than words. Our lifestyle can easily be revealed with our priorities in life. Last Sunday, we heard a challenging message from Pastor Jether about priority. Amen? You still remember? His acrostic with the word joy. That captured the whole message last Sunday. Joy. Jesus first. Others second, you last. What a message. When I was listening to that, I was thinking of the word first. And I said to Pastor Jeter, you know what, Pastor Jeter? When I was listening to you, I was also trying to uh, navigate the acrostic of the word first. As the Bible says, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God because that's one of his verse. So I put Jesus must be first in our family, itinerary, relationship, service, and time. That's the acrostic of first. Let's see what the Bible says about the lifestyle from a mammon perspective. Luke 12, 16 to 19. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? 
because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, look at that lifestyle. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Mm. Still remember that lifestyle, Brother Glenn? <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. Oh boy. That's our life before. That's our goal. This parable certainly catches the lifestyle promoted by Master Mammon. It's about how to achieve the ultimate pleasure. It's about self-indulgence, extravagance, covetousness, and greediness. But take note of verses 20 and 21. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, we cannot really boast of our wealth because we do not know what tomorrow brings. We have no control of it. And when we die, we cannot bring our mammon with us. You know, in Psalm 73, I really enjoyed teaching the morning Sunday school last Sunday. Because in Psalm 73, we see a vivid example of the lifestyle of the wicked that almost caused the psalmist Asaph to backslide from his faith. In verses 2 to 3, Asaph said, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious. At the fullest lifestyle. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he said. Aesop nearly lost his trust in God. Because he was jealous of his neighbor's prosperity and lifestyle. He said they seem not to, be, they seem not to suffer pain. Because they are strong and healthy. They do not have the kind of troubles that believers experience. They wear pride like necklace and violence like a robe. Their hearts are evil and busy with wicked schemes. They speak evil against God and give arrogant orders to everyone so that, ev that even God's people turn to them and believe whatever they say. Take note of that influence. It's happening. In verse 12, Asaph said, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. We may complain like Asaph. Oh Lord, my neighbor has two beautiful cars. I have only one. And it is a used car. Look what is parked in my neighbor's garage. A big fishing boat. And I only have a fishing rod. <laughs> They are so healthy and strong, and here I am faithfully serving you, Lord, experiencing so many aches and pains. Now in verse 13, Asaph said, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Meaning, what is the use of keeping myself pure in trying my best to please you, Lord? I hope we will not reach that condition 
in verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Oh, it's reality, right? Napakasakit. Malapit na siyang madepress. Malapit na siyang nag-quit sa ministry. Asap almost threw in the towel. You know, someone said, you are not finished when you are defeated, but you are finished when you quit. So please don't quit. Brother Bob, please don't quit by the grace of God. Take note, verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, the presence of God, the preeminence of God, the providence of God, the perspective of God. And he said, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. In the sanctuary, Asaph had a change of perspective. God revealed to him the destination of the wicked and the righteous. Destruction for the wicked, deliverance for the righteous. In verse 25, he said, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the pursuit of mammon can compromise our Christian testimony and conviction. We heard stories about people who work double or triple jobs just to level up or surpass the lifestyle of their neighbors or relatives. If the neighbor has a 100-inch TV, they must buy a 150-inch TV. If the neighbor has a BMW X5, they must have a BMW X6. If the neighbor has one-story house with one car garage, they must have two stories with two car garage. We heard of news about CEOs of big corporations who profess to be Christians who were imprisoned because they cooked the books. There are Christian politicians who are charged with graft and corruption impeached because of immorality. They did not only damage their own life's testimony, but Christianity as a whole. Also, cunning and false preachers who preach from the Bible with the motive to make a lot of money to support their worldly lifestyle. Big mansions, private planes, private resorts, luxury cars, you name it. But you know what? First John 2, 15 to 16 states, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, what? The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The mammon lifestyle can include the work of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 to 21 now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are this, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revel, revelings. Take note, 
and such like. If you are looking for something that you can find that you are seeing in the world, it is included here. At kagaya nito. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the negative answer to Asaph's problem. Let us compare it with the godly lifestyle. Brother Robert preached about this last week. Galatians 5:22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and that's his topic, kindness and goodness. Faith, meekness, temperance against such, against such there is no law. You know, from the works of the flesh being gradually replaced with the fruit of the Spirit as we go through our sanctification process. There's a change or transformation of being in Christ. Our favorite verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new man. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, a changed man desires a godly lifestyle. Amen? Someone, one, two, three, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in, the, in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. To what degree do we shape a Christian lifestyle? By changing the way we think. Someone said, we become what we feed our mind. When our mind is continuously fed with the things of mammon, how to make more money, how to get the promotion, should I get a third job, should I add more to my investment, should I invest in Bitcoin? Should I buy lottery ticket? In other words, our whole thinking evolves on material things and it becomes our master. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That we can see clearly the big difference between the mammon lifestyle and the godly lifestyle. What is the main purpose of living a godly lifestyle? To remain steadfast in sharing the good news to a lost world. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Our lifestyle is like an athlete or a soldier. We must give our best efforts to further the gospel of Jesus Christ while we are still alive. I would like to conclude with these verses. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. What is the main reason why we are to surrender our life to the Lord? To seek the Lord and to serve the Lord. Others say to know him and make him known. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Live by faith and not by sight. And the marks of the surrendered life to the Lord will follow. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for reminding us that when we receive you as a personal Lord and Savior, we surrendered our life to you. But it's only your grace, it's only by your grace and mercy that we can follow these three things, undivided love, undeviating loyalty, and uncompromised lifestyle. Lord, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of these three characters for a child of yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.